Welcome back and happy uh, Thursday. <laughs> Definitely Thursday. Uh, I am a very uncaffeinated Matt. This here is my partner, Camillo. And we're back for another completely winging it episode of the Encoachables pod. Yeah, I mean, we just said it. There's nothing realer than just doing it live a la O'Reilly. So. <laughs> I lied. I can't say completely winging it. We do. Th- there are notes. Um, ish. <laughs> That's where we thrive. That's a fact. Um, we're definitely going to talk NBA today. Uh, we're going to talk some football. Might even talk some of the NCAA tournament as it wraps up. Um, maybe some draft conversations. I really don't know. Uh, we're at the point right now where both drafts, NBA and NFL, are a little lackluster considering where we were like six months. Well, okay, number one. Six months ago, we knew the NFL draft was going to suck. Six months ago, we thought the NBA draft was going to be awesome. It turns out both might both suck yeah i mean the end like so the nfl draft is good for team building so there's there's great d-line prospects or at least possible like mystery prospects like there's hope you know um there's there's some good o-line it's very deep receiver class um there's some pretty good corners near the top so like it's a good team building draft um if you're Carolina and you're looking for a quarterback, this is probably not the draft for you. Um, but yeah, the NBA draft has turned into like two guys and then like whoever's willing to take a shot on Chet and then that's pretty much it, kind of. I mean, yeah. there's some talent, but like it's really Boncaro and, and uh, the kid from Auburn and then Holmgren, which... I mean, all right, listen, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to break off into a, a very quick thought here and completely uh, fuck our schedule 30 seconds no, no, into the pod. Not... Um, Holmgren should, I won't say Same it's in his best year. interest because it's not, yes. but he should stay Same. for another year and like yep. grow. Yep. yep. <laughs> like actually, like uh, physically grow. Yeah, it, it's not, I can't <laughs> say it's in his best interest because it's not, like it, if you're going to be a top, if you're going to be a lottery pick at all, like don't wait just go um because you never know what like what's going to happen you stay a year and you know people people pick your game apart and pick your flaws apart and you end up dropping um so yeah like come out he has to come out because he's going to get paid but like i don't want to be the one to draft him for my team and have to endure him trying to battle with you know an nba size player for an 82 game season yeah he, he's gonna get pushed so around a lot here's what i'll say about chet holgram which uh he listen there's a there's an old saying in latin you can be a great example or a horrible warning johnny duzang was that horrible warning last year right duzang could have come out gone into the nba draft and been a top 10 top 15 guy uh he played another season at ucla and it wasn't good and now he probably might go second round as a result of his performance not only this season but in the tournament holgram is a is is a unique talent in that he's a seven foot freak of nature at 135 pounds who can play the post understands body understands tempo and has a really sweet touch from three my problem is you're going to take a flyer on a guy who's undersized and probably won't probably won't be a real NBA player until year three. And I'm not saying that he won't like a real NBA player because of the skill set. I mean, physically, like he won't understand the game physically until he's there at least two, three years, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, you, I, I think 
is he a transcendent talent? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know if he has KD speed. I don't know if he has a, a KD agility. I don't know how good his three his, his three point shooting is. There's there's a lot of questions about Chet. I just think that like if you're Orlando, which I think is where he probably will end up. <laughs> yeah, I um, mean, who else is going to take a questionable big at the top right. of the draft? <laughs> right. It, yeah. I mean, be, well, or, or, they, or Sacramento. They totally <laughs> like, don't have seven on the roster already. So yeah, why not another one? One of them's got to work out, right? Well, that's the thing, though. You know, you're really you're, you're hopeful that the right team picks him up and can develop him. I, I, I just feel like if he comes out a year too early, there's a really big shot that he ends up ruining his prospects. Um, there's one other guy I got to shout out for the draft as well. Um, uh, I think it's Jordan Ivan or Jordan Ivy uh, or Jalen Ivy. Purdue kid, yeah. Yo, six seven six eight, whatever the fuck he is, long ass wingspan. Um, only hit a hundred assists right at the end of the season. Uh, I think he's a talented two way player. He's not so much a, a a playmaker as a shot creator, which I really enjoy. Physically, he has a lot of the the necessary things to make him a serviceable three and D guy. But I do think that he could potentially become a really good, um, just a good all around NBA player. I'm not saying that he's going to have like multiple, you know, all-star games, but I think that he has a shot to, to really have a six man impact, if not starting impact on like a B rate NBA team next season. Yeah. I just think like, and you know, comparing chat, like I don't like taking these bigs, you know, his size aside, when is when's the last time a big has worked out at the top of the draft? Mobley's gonna work out, so Mobley. But like all these other bigs that have gone in the top of the draft, uh, Wendell Carter, uh, half of Sacramento over the past five or six years, like everybody right. in Orlando, the seven you know five or six years is like these guys are are probably okay NBA players, but they like if you're a bad organization like you don't want a big like a big's not going to get your organization turned around like there's not a, a shack out there you know like you can't you, you need you need that guard and guards are harder to find too guards and, and wings are much harder to find that that can differentiate themselves from the rest of the field but like I, <laughs> a big isn't going to turn your program around man i mean listen i you you say that, but then you like overlook the 76ers a little bit, right? And and listen, Embiid had years of trying yeah. to stay healthy. Yeah, but it, yeah, so like it wasn't just Embiid though. It was it was all the other picks they had. It was it was signing the, the Tobias Harris's and and you know all the stuff they ended yeah. up with and all the moves around that. Plus, like Embiid didn't play for two years essentially while they built around. Like they purposefully sat him and tanked while he got healthy and, and learned the game and. People forget I got, Joel Embiid was barely a basketball player before getting drafted to the NBA. Like he hadn't played that yeah. much basketball. Well, and that's I think that's that's kind of like the 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 the, the saving grace that every single NBA GM is looking for, right? Is they're going to draft the one guy who maybe doesn't have the skill set but is willing to put in the work to get better. And like, not for nothing, Joel changed his game every season for for for, um, for Ben Simmons. Like every season, he would learn to play the perimeter more and more. He would learn to play the point guard position more and more so he could space the floor for a guy that was supposed to slash to the rim all the fucking time, right? And like that level of maturity and intelligence is something that I don't I don't know a lot about the psychological profile, obviously, of these draft picks. I don't work in fucking sports media, so I can't tell you what, like, oh, this guy's like a, he's a dedicated worker. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, I, I even when I read that on blogs, I'm like, 
How did you find that out? Who in the NBA is telling you this about this kid? You know what I'm saying? And like, even then you don't know if it's true. Cause like Dwight Howard's a great example. Dwight Howard was a physical freak of nature who did put in the work. He was a weight room rat, but he got to LA and the first conversation he tried to have with Kobe Bryant was like, can you put me in contact with this, 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 and this producer? Like it, where you go, what your mental fortitude is and how hard you're willing to work is really what's going to decide how good these guys are. And I don't know. I have a lot of questions about these guys. At, at least, though, the only saving grace of the NBA draft is that we're not talking about fucking hand size. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Like, I, I, to, like, I guess eventually get back to the point that I started to attempt making is Mobley is, is one of the few examples you can remember working out because of the situation. So Mobley had had and has all the skills uh great defensively yes. he's got some offensive skills he can pass a little bit um but he he went to a cleveland team that isn't and well they're they're not like the start of their rebuild right they got some talent there um and then they had jared allen as well they went out and signed him in the offseason so he's not coming to an orlando with with very little talent and that's kind of in shambles right so mobley's in a very good position to grow holmgren Holmgren needs to have some size. He's 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 not big enough to to play against NBA fives. He's probably not good enough of a shooter yet to stretch the floor as a stretch four. Um, but he has skills. He's he's got the touch. Um, he's he's kind of an underrated passer. Nobody really talks about the passing in his game, but um, he's I, like I don't feel like he's going to be able to go to a team that needs him to play and be a star right now. Um, it's going to take him a little bit. Um, and sometimes like that, that's sometimes if you go to a team and it's going to take a little bit, but they need you to be a star right now, you run into situations where your confidence gets shattered. Your growth doesn't hit the levels it needs to hit. And, and, you know, these guys just end up not having very good careers or very long careers, but I don't know. We'll see. Nah, I'm with you. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye out on the draft. We'll see how it works out. Uh, my, my betting favorite, though, is uh, Paulo Banchero to go first overall. Uh, the odds have obviously gone down significantly for him. I think he's like a negative. Uh, he's like basically the odds-on favorite to go first overall. A few weeks ago, I actually I, I caught him at plus 350, if which they, I thought was fascinating. If, if they win this title and he has like 20 and 7 or something, you know, in, in yeah. the Final Four, especially in the in the UNC game coming up, but um, in the championship too, yeah, I, I think he'll end, up, he'll end up going first. And I don't necessarily disagree. I, I, he has – all the skills you want in a, in a four. Um, and he can, I, I don't know. I don't remember how big he is, but he could probably play the three too. If you wanted to go like ultra big in some lineups, um, he's yeah. got, he's got enough ball handling and, and passing ability to do that. I'm, I'm excited to see where this shakes out, but before, or actually, as we move on, I, I, I want to, I want to start today on a, on a, on a, as a, on an always somber note, Matt, uh, the Lakers, I want to talk about the Lakers. <laughs> well, somber for you. Talk. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck you and the rest of the country too. Um, so I, okay, so I, I want to run through a few things about the Lakers. One of my favorite things that I, I definitely want to talk about right now is, is it's what's going on. So as of today, they are in the playing game. Okay, they are the tenth seed in the playing game. Two weeks ago, two three weeks ago, the Lakers were were, were in the seventh seed. Okay, and like it's it's it, this goes to show you how bad things have gotten in Los Angeles, right? We're like. ESPN, I think a day or so ago, was like, fuck the Lakers. They're they're not making the playoffs. Like, it's not going to go well. And two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were making the playoffs. We were the seventh seed. And uh, the Sports Illustrated um, 
uh, Sports Illustrated blog for the Lakers called Silver Screen and Roll ran the following headline. Okay, so just again, they ran this headline two, three weeks ago. We were the seventh seed, so we were going to the playoffs. This is the headline that they ran. Is this your least favorite Lakers team ever? And then the sub headline was, it's safe to say no Lakers fan will ever name the 21-22 version as their favorite iteration of the team. But is this the least liked version ever? The fact that, like, we're running that headline when making it to the playoffs in the seventh seed is fucking insane. Uh, right? So, first of all, no. Uh, like, I'm far from a Lakers fan, but the least liked team has to be when they were just awful, like, right at the end and just after Kobe, when, like, Nick Young was their score. Like, if that's not the most hated team, no. I don't know what else is. No, no, this, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to take a stand and say that whoever fucking wrote this article or, or whatever is a hundred percent right. Listen, this is the least like team. They're on the hook for $145 million this year and next year. Russ is making $45.4 million. Uh, yeah, that's and, fair. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all and all of us, all all Laker fans everywhere, are like, oh, we'll trade Russ. We're gonna get rid of him. It's gonna be great. The fuck we are. Who's gonna take that contract? No one. Number no. one. No one. Number two. And 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 this is where like, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into like where we are today, right? So, um, thanks to the Spurs loss on Wednesday, the Lakers basically have like failed into the final playing spot, right? Like, for like now. We've, well, yeah, for now, right? Yeah, we're like four four weeks, three weeks away from the end of the season. And we're by accident, the 10th seed. Okay. Which just, is just seven, two, just two weeks away. Seven games remaining. Yeah. There's seven games left. Um, basically the the Lakers are one up on the Spurs in the, um, uh, in the, in the loss column. Um, the Lakers trail the number nine Pelicans, uh, by one in the loss column with one game remaining, um, on Friday night against them. So as of right now, the Lakers are projected to be the 10th seed. Their playing matchup would be the Pelicans. There's a tiebreaker versus the number nine Pelicans. The Pelicans have a 2-0 head-to-head advantage against us, which not surprising. Uh, and then there also is a tiebreaker against the number 11 Spurs. Uh, San Antonio currently owns the tiebreaker um, in a head-to-head. Uh, they're 2-2, two and two, so neither team leads their division or or their uh, head-to-head matchup. It's So to kind of tie in that article, right? We're the 10 seed. This roster is god-awful. We were projected, projected to lose under, what, 20 games at the start of the season. We're well over 35. We're probably going to hit 40, hopefully. Hopefully we hit 40 and <laughs> miss the playoffs altogether. Um, and it's just, it, it it's constantly compacted, right? Like, when you look at the roster, you look at the construction. We won a championship two years ago. There was no there was no parade there was no nothing right like we won a bubble championship it was here it was gone two years later we have 145 million dollars on the hook and we have to worry about two things going into friday's matchup um against the uh against the pelicans you ready for this lebron's ankle hurts and we don't know if ad will be back on friday who cares that's my question who cares um not many people, I don't think, at this point. I mean, okay, even if the Lakers back their way into the play-in turn, they're not beating anybody. No, they're not gonna no. actually. They're not gonna actually win two games in the play-in tournament, and and get into the the you know playoffs in full. Like it's just not gonna happen. 
it's well, it's it, wild to see what the and I, you know all the, the transactions in Caruso and and you know all the shit that they've done to lead up to this has been more than covered enough, but like it's amazing to see a team do this to themselves in this capacity and and they've they've somehow done it in a way where there's there's just no escape so like no. I, there's there's teams that make bad deals and overpay and stuff like i mean listen my heat paid tyler johnson like 85 million dollars and they were still able to get out of that after a year and a half two years like the lakers have no way out of anything that they've done they have no their only way to hopefully get anything and, and turn that roster around is trading anthony davis and at this point, I don't even know what his value looks like because, I mean, has Anthony Davis hasn't been Anthony Davis for what a year now? Well, so that that's a that's a great point, and 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 the the fact that he's looking to come back on Friday against the Pelicans is absolutely hysterical, right? Like he's been so ineffective at any of the spots that he's played this year. The fact that like he hates playing the five, refuses to play players his size, none of that shit like, none of that shit should be happening on a team that you quote unquote want to be competitive for, right? And then if you like compound that with the fact that like whenever AD was on the floor and LeBron was hurt, the Lakers were still six and fourteen without LeBron, like that, that goes to show you number one that there is no leadership with Anthony Davis. Number two, LeBron James is the linchpin of this team, and number three, there is no one that can hold the line right or or, or or keep the chemistry of this team together so if it were me as the palinka genie bus whatever i would get rid of all three of them our big three our, our our laker big three if anyone's willing to take russ on a flyer for draft picks i don't give a fuck take them whatever give me third round picks that's all we can get anyway but LeBron you, well, can go well, back the way basketball LeBron... works though like you'd have to give a pick for somebody to take russ's contract oh like you're not and getting anything. Think... The only thing you're getting back is getting off of his salary. You're... That's <laughs> not... it. Yeah. No, we're gonna have to fire sale him. Yeah. And then LeBron, send him back to Cleveland. That's fine with me. AD. <laughs> and no, but like real, realistically, we talked about this when we first signed LeBron. Like how many, how many championships can we win with LeBron? I said I don't know if we were. I, I don't like. I was very optimistic, and then it was after that first year that I said this isn't going to go well because of LeBron's history of getting his paid friends. His his friends paid a lot of money in max contracts. Everywhere LeBron has gone, he's gotten people paid a fuck ton of money for contracts that they did not deserve. Russ is another one who did not deserve that contract, and like for him to get rid of Caruso, uh, um, oh, oh fuck, I always forget his name. Uh, my man down in uh, in New Orleans, um, like for all of these people to go missing out of this roster, and for LeBron to end with forty five million dollars of Westbrook, AD, and no draft picks for the foreseeable future, lets you know that LeBron James is not a Laker fan. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like none of his behavior as an athlete lets you know that he's a fan of the franchise that he's playing for, which means he's a mercenary for hire, and he's going to do whatever the fuck he wants and ruin your franchise. Which here we are in a ruined franchise. We're not going to have draft picks for the better part of a decade. That's fucking insane, Matt. That's I, insane. Yeah, I think what's wild to me is is his his push to get Westbrook. Um and you know, not having Caruso and and Kuzma and and uh, Ball and Hart were part of the the AD deal, so they don't really count, but like to 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 see your options were, were probably pretty much buddy healed and maybe some combination of some extra guys 
Um, oh, and Wes Matthews, they didn't bring back, and now he's playing decently well for a Milwaukee championship yeah, contender. Yeah. But, uh, but, but there was one other there was there was one other point guard aside from Kyle uh, Kyle Lowry that we uh, De- DeRozan we were oh DeRozan yeah, was we, out yeah DeRozan yeah DeRozan was an option DeRozan along or with healed. Healed. but to push oh. so much like LeBron is probably the best basketball brain as far as on court stuff goes that we've seen of our generation for sure you know we're we're we were too young for Jordan's prime for the most part but um, of our generation LeBron's the best basketball mind we've seen. And for him to to fall in love with Westbrook's stat padding and and for him to watch Westbrook play and believe that he was going to be capable of, of meshing this Lakers roster together and, and creating this playoff juggernaut and contender, like that that's a failure on his part because there's no sensible... Russell probably going to the Hall of Fame first of all. So let me just say that Russell going to the Hall of Fame for his triple doubles and his his OKC years and and his stats and this and that. But there's no intelligent NBA fan that has watched Russell Westbrook play for the past like seven years and thought this guy can be on a on a truly winning basketball team. He just doesn't yeah, I play agree. like it's. I, I hate. I, I try to say this without dissing the man because he's he's been a fantastic player his whole career, in ways, but he he's been fantastic because he's been on his own essentially, and some of those OKC years he he took it upon himself to be on his own and not feed KD the ball and and this and that and you know Harden left because they I, that probably wouldn't have worked and and I don't know but for LeBron to look at that and fall in love with that and demand that that be on his team like. That that seems like they're the biggest failure here from a Lakers standpoint. I just want to know what statistic LeBron looked at plus minus wins when he was when he was going through free agency with his team that made him look at fucking DeMar DeRozan and go nah, Buddy Hield and go nah, and then look at Russell Westbrook and go what? Okay, so cool. Him and Bradley Beal played a total of thirty five games together for Washington. Most of the games Westbrook was putting up triple doubles in garbage time. So like. Either LeBron, uh, here's a shout out or, or a callback to the whistleblower podcast that we just finished listening to together. Either LeBron is betting on Russell Westbrook triple doubles while he's in like Washington DC, <laughs> thinking he's going to make more money in LA, or he figured that he could cover while he was hurt because you know LeBron James takes time off every season, and he just looked at Westbrook and he was like, "All right, so this guy's going to be like what, plus three wins, plus four wins while I'm gone, every, like during uh, during the season and hurt." Like, if you watched his game over the last, like, seven years, to your point, you know that Russ's game doesn't translate to wins. He takes terrible shots. Like, he is very selfish with the ball. He doesn't run an offense. He can't run an offense. I don't know if you've noticed this. Russell Westbrook does not run a play. What Russell Westbrook does is he passes the ball, he runs around the court, he catches the ball, and then he either drives to the rim or takes an ill-advised three-point shot. That's it. That's all you get. So I, I just it, it it for me as a fan it really does um it really does put a, a kind of like a a damper on me wanting to root for a team that won't be able to build for the next five six years like there's we're not going to come out of this with anything and like if you're thinking that Polinka or Jeannie Bus or her b-ray comedian boyfriend is going to get anything cool for us and you're out of your mind like this like no because LeBron's le- going to make the decision again. 
they're gonna uh-huh. they're gonna defer yeah. to whatever he wants to do. Like they'll they'll try to move they'll try to move Westbrook and and whatever they have to do. But a I don't know how they're gonna get off of that deal. I just I, I can't. He's due forty seven mil I think next year, and I just John I Wall, John Wall, come on down. John Wall, come on is down. Is that an upgrade that's, though? That's all, no, like, it's not. But at least <laughs> exactly. you know you have. But at least you know you have a guy who can run, pick, and roll. Like that, like at minimum, you have a guy that can go set a screen here and then the pick comes and then he goes, oh, I'm going to go left or right. And then he looks at it and goes, oh, you're Anthony Davis. Here's the ball on a dime. At least there's that. You know what I'm saying? Listen, if Julius Randle wants to come our way, that's fine. I'll take it. Like, I'll take another fucking big. I don't need Russell Westbrook. You probably could fleece the Knicks. Into uh-huh. taking Russ. Oh yeah, they oh, want a point yeah. guard so desperately. All day. <laughs> All day. Listen, there's gonna be a three-team move. Julius comes to LA. Uh, it's gonna be the Lakers. The it's gonna be the Lakers, the Rockets, and the Knicks. I guarantee you in the offseason, and it's gonna be an absolute disaster. I, I, w- I, I would like to say that's impossible, but the way Randall's been playing lately, the Knicks have to regret giving him that deal. And they'll probably they they maybe they're willing to pay Westbrook forty seven mil before his contract just for, on a one year deal essentially. Yep. Versus yep. versus paying out Randall's contract now. Uh, maybe. I, I, I mean, I don't, I, it's, I, it's I, gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I'm sure we're gonna have some interesting uh, some interesting episodes about whatever happens there. That's gonna be wild. I, just, I, I fuck, man. I I can understand. I understand the hope of. I understand the hopeful argument of Russ versus Heald because Heald doesn't play a lot of defense either. Russ doesn't play any defense. Um, Heald gives you much more shooting and floor spacing than Russ does, but that's pretty much it. And I, I can I can understand how LeBron can look at Russ and talk himself into Russ over Heald because of how much more Russ is capable of doing and how much more he's been capable of doing over his whole career when he's, when he's on at the top of his game. But... What I can't understand, especially when you factor in contracts and money and what, I can't understand how you can look at Russ versus DeRozan and think this guy can help our team more than DeMar DeRozan can help our team with Insane. with with our needs and you know the contracts, the the salary situations and all that. Absolutely insane. And and DeRozan at least gives you a a higher IQ NBA mind. He he he. he DeRozan gives you everything that you need from a veteran point guard, right? Point blank period. Yeah, Russ well, he's not gives... a point guard, but he can. I mean, he can handle the ball for you. Well, he was gonna be. He was gonna be. He was gonna be our point this year. Let's so, be real. He was well, gonna be our. Point. The way I would have, LeBron probably would have played point, and DeRozan would have been the the three essentially. Sure, I think the, the two the two yeah. or three, depending on how they who else they have in the game. But that's probably how I would have seen it work. But DeRozan gives you shooting. He, he he can create a shot himself and make a shot like there's there's we've never seen anybody as good in the mid range and, and at shot creation especially in the mid range as DeRozan. Westbrook gives you none of that. Um, so you need a bucket. You you now have you have LeBron, you have AD, and you have DeRozan on the floor. That's that's terrifying to me. If 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 we're in a tight game and I'm on I'm trying to defend that and you have those three guys who can create their own bucket essentially like that yeah. terrifies me. There. With Russell, with Westbrook on the floor, that doesn't scare me really at all. Now you only got two guys you got to worry about. Granted, LeBron AD pick and rolls when they're on, they can devastate. Um, but has that happened at all? This it happened one happened one game when they played Cleveland, and they they put they put Mobley in a blender for the fourth quarter essentially and said welcome to the league, Rook. But 
like outside of that, they both been one or the other has been hurt and missing games the whole season. So I, I'm, I'm honestly, uh, I think I said this last year at the end of last year, uh, but I'm definitely thinking about it for this coming year. I will be buying a Knicks jersey. It will probably be, <laughs> it will probably be an RJ Barrett or Emmanuel quickly jersey, and I will wear it out proudly because I mean, at this point, like, and then they'll immediately trade one or both for Russell Westbrook <laughs> or somebody. Yo, yo, if we get quick or RJ, I would love RJ. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, let's let's move out to the east uh, to the Eastern Conference now that I've I've officially deflated myself for the rest of the evening. <laughs> um, yeah, we really have to talk about the East. It's insane how the tables have turned in the Eastern Conference. Uh, literally a year ago, we were calling the NBA East the shit show and the easiest way to get to the NBA final. And now, all of a sudden, today, uh, there are four and a half games that separate the six-seeded Raptors um, from number one seed and playoff-bound Miami. Uh, I think the East turnaround has been obviously it was it was due to free agency in the draft. I, I, I want to say primarily, um, but I also want to say that there was that there was like a, a leap. I think in terms of, of, of players and growth. And um, I want to ask a few big questions coming out of the East. Uh, and I know this first question is definitely going to interest you as my as my as my resident expert Miami Heat's guy. Um, <laughs> do you think Kyle Lowry is going to be the guy for the Heat? Um, listen, in, uh, Wednesday night they beat the uh, Celtics. Lowry netted 23 points. He went six for 12 from three points. He had eight assists in 36 minutes. Um, what you got to love about Kyle Lowry is that he's incredibly attentive. Um, and listen, they, they 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 were coming into a Boston uh, to, to a Boston Garden that that was hosting the hottest team in the league over the past two plus months, uh, and and they won back they won a back and forth game which was maybe exactly what they needed to forget what happened last week with Jimmy Butler and Coach Spo. <laughs> um, and and I'm gonna be honest, that whole incident with Spo and Jimmy, I didn't think was that big of a deal i just thought it was a bunch of competitive guys yelling at each other because jimmy butler forgot to pick up an assignment so like if you're telling me that's the reason why coaches and players got into an argument that's because they're competitive as fuck and they want to win um i the last thing i'm going to say on this is uh last year's first round sweep uh to milwaukee the heat were exposed they needed a playmaker right like there was no one on the floor that could space get to the rim they were ultra relying on jimmy sometimes and he couldn't get it going bam I thought got rinsed by fucking Giannis and Bobby Portis Jr. Um, Lopez was insane for them, I thought, uh, during that run. Really adding Lowry gave them a guard who could get, who could run the offense and remain part of like the team's defensive identity, which there aren't a lot of point guards in the league that can fucking do that. Um, and, and the best part about it is, is that like whenever he needs to take over a game offensively, he'll fucking do it. He just doesn't care. He doesn't care if Jimmy's there. He doesn't care if Bam's there. He doesn't care about Tyler. If he knows that you need six points, Kyle's going to go out and get you a stop and six points because that's what he does. Um, but this is just the regular season. You think he can hold it up for the playoffs? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's a loaded question of, of if he's the guy. He's he's the guy. In a sense, he's the guy because he can, from the playmaker front with with Goran Dragic, as much as Miami loved and still loves Goran, um, he he ran the offense and he ran the plays, and that's what he did. Um, 
you know, he's, he, he brings some shooting. He's, he's great driving to the rack, but, but he runs the offense and that's what he does. Lowry is better defensively. He's, <laughs> he's better defensively because he's more feisty and he flops better. So, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be honest face value about that, but um, he, he, he runs the offense, of course, but he he opens up fast break opportunities that that Dragic didn't open up. Lowry will throw a full court pass like like Tom Brady, um, and he's <laughs> um, you've seen it a lot this season watching the Heat. Um, and he, they get a rebound, and Jimmy's already a third of the way down the court, or Adebayo's running the floor. Like you know, these guys are, are breaking immediately on misses, um, and so that opens up a facet of the offense. And the other piece is when the offense bogs down, which Miami's notorious for. Um, like last night, Lowry would just go get a bucket himself and say, fuck it. Um, and when he's on, he's, he's, he's on, um, he shot really well from three last night, for example, and they needed every bit of it. Um, he's, he's a fantastic lob passer, a great pick and roll partner for Bam. Um, the other piece of that, uh, regarding getting swept by Milwaukee last year is, is they didn't really have, they didn't have an answer for Lopez and Yana. They had Adebayo and, and that was that was the extent of their inside depth really. Um, and the poor guy can do, but so much. Um, and he also, he also was responsible for a lot of the ball handling and playmaking last year too. Whereas with Kyle, that, that takes some of that responsibility off of him. But now they have Deadman, they have year seven. They went out and got guys who can, who can piss Giannis off, which we've seen works in the playoffs. Um, they, they got one of the, the Morrises who will certainly have no problem, you know, putting an elbow in somebody's back if they need to, um, PJ Tucker to give him fits sometimes like they they're 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 more well equipped for to be anti Giannis in the playoffs nobody's stopping Giannis but they can they can annoy him enough um, and then the other the other guy is is Hero so Tyler Hero provides such a valuable boost off the bench this man's 20 points a night off the bench if he's not on their offense is like they're not going to win games so he's his scoring is is vital to that team which sounds weird because you know, Jimmy Butler and, and Duncan Robinson can shoot and Max Drews has come on and Lowry and Adebayo and all that. But Tyler Hero is kind of the key offensively. Um, yeah, that, that was a loaded answer for a loaded question. But yes, Kyle Lowry is the start of that. I So when, when Lowry came in, uh, when, when Miami signed him, I thought that the contract was excessive. I'm being honest. I just, I'm not going to say that I thought Kyle Lowry was washed. No, I, I, not at all. Uh, I think Kyle Lowry... At what he's like 31 32 years old no he's, um, he's 35 or 6 what he's okay never mind uh so mid 30s Kyle Lowry I thought uh, I thought he was watched I didn't think he had another uh productive year in him fuck was I wrong Pat Riley uh and supposed to really I mean uh, we, we always make the joke about the heat culture thing fine it's hysterical it is very funny for us um but it's real man like Kyle Lowry uh, found a place where he could ply his trade, do the things that make Kyle Lowry great, but also make other guys around him better. Um, Bam Adebayo has been making a physical jump and a a a, a you know just a, a general NBA jump for the last two seasons. We've seen it. He's gotten better from the perimeter. The 15 footer, the 20 footers are falling. Uh, he's got multiple moves down below. Kyle Lowry gave him one added dimension that I didn't know Bam had, which was running the floor, like. I get Bam is fast. There's no doubt about it. But we've never seen fast break Bam until this year. <laughs> and it's fucking insane to watch him, Jimmy, and Bam run the floor. Again, at 35 years old, which I thought he was a little younger, is phenomenal. And the fact that he's still putting up, what, 
he's a regular for 20 some odd points a night just about he, he can uh, be yeah yeah he's, he's gonna give he's gonna give teams a lot of problems there's multiple matchup issues i think with miami uh that that eastern conference teams are going to have i do think that there's a small weakness there which is depth i don't think miami's super super duper deep like to your point if tyler hero's not hitting shots and jimmy can't find the bucket sure it's going to fall on kyle and bam will that be enough we'll see um but i i i really like again i i have to eat my words kyle was a phenomenal replacement uh a phenomenal signing and, and again you got to give all the props to fucking Pat Riley, man. Yeah, Guys, it's it's a perfect smart. fit. It's a perfect fit for his mentality, um, and it's a perfect fit too from from a physical standpoint throughout the season. He hasn't had to play heavy minutes all season. Um, they have they have enough they have enough depth. Uh, it's not top tier depth, um, but it's enough depth, and they play enough guys. And Spolster's willing to play all these young guys uh, enough where where Lowry doesn't have to play a ton of minutes every night and put a bunch of miles on him before the playoffs. Um, and it's great because these guys are now experienced. You know, Max Struess, like I said, he, he's been starting now since Duncan Robinson kind of went went cold. Max Struess, undrafted from DePaul, is now starting in the lineup. And he's an absolutely deadly shooter. Gabe Vincent gets a bunch of minutes at point behind Lowry now. You know, you have Butler and Adebayo can handle the ball in some bench units. They keep Lowry rested. Like, it's it's crazy what Spolstra does to keep these guys fresh and, and who he's willing to play. Granted, the the rotations kind of lessened a bit here as we inch towards the playoffs, and he's kind of figuring out what he wants to roll with. Um, Oladipo and Morris both have not been in the rotation lately, but um, those guys missed like you know anywhere from two to eight months due to injury too. So yeah, who, who knows what the playoff rotation will look like? But yeah, it's it's crazy, and I'm sure Lowry will be playing like 35 to 40 a night come playoff time. <laughs> he's not going to leave the yeah. floor a ton. Well, well th- what I was going to say was, and this is the last thing I'll say on this before we switch over to the uh, loser of Wednesday night's game, the Celtics. <laughs> it's great It's great for you to be able to beat a team on a fucking tear like Boston only having played 32 minutes. Like, that's really – that goes to show you the 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 just how good the team is but also how intelligent the coaching staff has been in putting a game plan together to prepare for a team that – is certifiably or has certifiably been for the last two and a half months the best team in the NBA. Like it, it's it's been really 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 good for them. Um, all right, let's switch over to the Celtics real quick. Um, here's a, here's a question. Before I give you the the information, the question is: Is Robert William III's absence going to kill the Boston Celtics? So Wednesday night was the first time that uh, was the first night uh, Boston's uh, Robert Williams III was out. Uh, he'll be sidelined for at least four weeks with uh, after meniscus surgery. Um, listen, Bam, as like we just talked about, he ran the game on Wednesday night. Um, he kind of reminded me of of of, of Bam from the 2020 uh, Eastern Conference Finals uh, against uh, Boston. Bam finished with 17 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists. Uh, he was a 12 plus in 33 minutes, which is always wonderful to see from your starting center. Uh, flip side for the Celtics, as Al Horford. Scored six points, two for six shooting. He was a minus 14 in 34 minutes. Grant Williams was two for seven from the field. He missed all three of his three-point shots. Um, listen, four weeks without Robert Williams doesn't seem like a positive. Even if they're fully healthy, the Celtics were bound to lose a game or two, right? Like, it's it's the nature of the NBA. Um, there's no question that they could have used him trying to contain Adebayo on Wednesday. I think 
what's even more interesting uh, is that Williams could have given Boston a legitimate shot on the offensive side of the floor, not just to create like easy shots, but also vertical spacing as a lob threat, which is like really important. The other side of this too, is that Boston shot six for 22 from the fourth uh, and, and, and fourth quarter shooting is something Robert Williams, the third does really well. Uh, he just comes on in the fourth for some strange reason. Um, listen, they're 24 and uh, 24 and four, uh, through Sunday's win over Minnesota. Uh, that's where Williams hurt his knee. Um, still, Wednesday's display kind of lets you know that if they don't have a powerful starting center like Robert Williams who can shoot the ball, give you the vertical floor spacing, be the plus guy in a plus-minus situation, uh, they they might have some trouble, man. Yeah. Big yeah, trouble. Yeah, so the, the, the question of – whether Williams being an out will, will kill the team and their, their contention hopes. Yes. And no. Um, yes. Because of the obvious reasons that you pointed out, he's, he's a very good player. He's very underrated. Um, he gives them a lot in terms of, of inside presence and being a lob threat, but also rim protection. Um, but no, in that you saw last night with Miami, Miami did last night, what every team is going to do them in the playoffs. And it's been the same formula to beat Boston for several years now. Stop Tatum, dare the rest of the team to beat you, and they can't. Who else is going to be? Jalen Brown will get hot for 40 sometimes. Um, Marcus Smart will knock down a three or two sometimes. Irrational confidence guy, but, Marcus Smart. Yes, yeah, and, and granted, he's been playing super well the past couple months while yeah. his team's been on their tear. Um, but but Miami did last night what every team's going to do in the playoffs. It's what they always do in the playoffs with Boston. Stop Tatum, beat the Celtics. Like that. It's that simple. Um the ball stops. You're you're who are you who are you afraid of on that team offensively? Um if you Peyton stop Pritchard. if you stop Tatum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah, I mean so I that was gonna happen whether or not Williams was in the game. Maybe not last night. Maybe Boston wins that game if Williams is playing last night, but for playoffs in terms of, of their contention and their contender status, uh that happening that was going to happen to Boston in the playoffs no matter who they played or or, or whether Williams is there or not teams are just going to try to stop Tatum and if it works then it works and you know if, if Tatum still gets his 35 then you're probably going to lose yeah it I think uh the 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 part here for me that I I have a the four weeks without without a guy without you know a guy that that's your anchor center is tough four weeks though is enough for you to lose a playoff series it's that simple. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, mind you, like Daniel Tice had a night last night. Um, so, <laughs> um, so I, you know, if 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 he doesn't, if he's not perfect from the floor, that game goes much worse than yeah. than, than what it was. Um, yeah, and like Brain and Van Gundry last night too, doing the game where where I think every five minutes they were they were pretty much relaying the same thoughts. Like Boston has to rely on other guys to make shots, and they're just they don't really have that guy other than Brown on some nights. Um, here's, just... a, here's a weird question, uh, completely off topic, but still Boston related. What would they need in the off season? So Robert Williams, the third Tatum smart Brown, who, sh- who could they bring in as their starting, like legitimate starting point guard? Because like Brown is not and smart is not right. But like, so who would you bring in? as a legitimate starting point guard. I have I have one conspiracy theory pick that I've been throwing around for a bunch of teams that I think not conspiracy theory, but like I have one guy that I've been riding 
for multiple teams for the last like three, four months that I think could really make a difference in Boston. And that's Jalen Brunson. I think Brunson could be like a really good point guard for them. Great floor general can create his own shots, knows how to space the floor, doesn't need the ball the whole time, right? Like he'll take it up. He'll let Tatum do his thing, but like he can work off ball. Um, I don't know. I like Robert Williams, the third aside, I think that they have a really big issue at the point that they're just not addressing. Um, yeah, the one and the five, they really don't uh, behind Williams. They don't, I mean, they have Miami's yeah. problem from last year. They, yep. they don't have, they have Williams and that's it. No coverage. Um, they don't really have, I mean, they're, they're four. They're still relying on Horford's playing well, but Horford is, is really, they have no depth behind Horford either at the four. Um, Smart's been playing well, but yes, they could certainly use somebody who can, who can spread the offense out and, and defenses fear to create and make their own shot when he needs to, but somebody who can also put guys in, in better positions. Um, Smart's a good passer when he's reacting to what's going on. Um, he made some fantastic passes last night on a break, for example, but it, I don't know that he, I don't know that he, he puts guys or sets guys up to be in better positions than they're currently standing at that millisecond. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know what they do. I mean, listen, they're starting five. If they get through the first round and Williams can come back and be healthy, like they'll be scary. Um, but I, I don't. I don't think they're. Maybe they could beat Miami in a in a series if they played Miami. But I, I don't think they're beating Brooklyn. I don't think they're beating um, uh, Milwaukee. They can. I don't know if they're beating Philly either. That that would be. I think Embiid would. Yeah. <laughs> I think Embiid Destroyed. would dominate that. Yeah. 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 Um. So I don't know. I don't know what they do with their roster. I, I don't know. Maybe a, a first round exit. I would have to say. You start hearing the the buzz again about breaking up Tatum and, and Brown. Yep. Yep. I agree. I don't know if, if that's if the answer, but I mean, I don't know. I don't think I, they know either. No, I don't think they do. I I agree. I think. Uh, I think what's his name? Uh, oh God, I hate his face. Uh, uh, the former coach for the Celtics, who's now their, their uh, GM. Yeah, yeah, fucking Brad Stevens. I hate him so much. Uh, I think Stevens has a really tough decision to make if they do get bounced out of the first round or even the second round. Let's be real; like it's not going to be easy for him to look at this roster going into next year and going, "No, no, we'll just run it back." Like I, I yeah, it, I, I think very if, hard. If I'm in those shoes, I I think if they get bounced in the first round, maybe even the second round. If I'm in that position, I think I break it up and I move Brown. I, I don't move Tatum. Like, the way Tatum has come on this year, the second half of this season, um, he can hit some crazy superstar level. I'm not – Tatum ain't moving. He's untouchable. But Brown, I think I would start taking phone calls on. I might not make it public yet. Yeah, um, but I think I start listening to phone calls if they get bounced would, in the first round or maybe even the second round this year. I know this is going to sound shitty because he's played so well in the second half of the season. I'd get rid of Smart too. I would start taking phone calls for Smart, and I would make it public because it's only a matter of time before he goes back to being like, "I'm going to jack up this bad three. Like it, it's, it, it's weird. But, like you, you need guys like that on a team like Boston because I mean, really, I think we talked about this in last year's playoffs, like. They don't have so Miami's a team full of these guys, full of dogs. Like, yeah. Boston doesn't. They have Marcus Smart. 
Like the that's, one that's dog. their dog. Yeah. That's their their mouth essentially in the locker room. Like they need that guy. So I don't know if he, I don't know if he moves, especially with as well as he's played. Um, and it's not Listen, like he's going to command some crazy salary either. Um, if, so. if you're if you're able to move on from from him and you're able to bring in a fucking Morris brother and another shooting asset like a fucking Tucker, are you mad about that? No, no probably if you could, not. If you could replace that, sure. But I don't know. I don't know that they'll have the opportunity to replace that. Yeah, then we'll see what happens. I would like to move on to my third one, and this is kind of like a uh, a joke, maybe. Who matters less, Milwaukee or Brooklyn? Uh, I think I'm kidding, but <laughs> could there be a more important eight seed? Has there ever been a more important eight seed, or like a more unforgettable two seed? I, I they, they, these two teams play each other tonight, and that's why I put them as my 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 third kind of conversation for the East. Uh, I think we should start at the top of the uh, the, uh, the Eastern Conference with Milwaukee uh, at, in the number two spot. So the Bucks have basically spent their entire season without Brooke Lopez. Um, their starting center, basically in street clothes for 98% of the season. He he's only played eight games, uh, seven in the last three weeks after undergoing back surgery in December. Uh, Tuesday night, I would say was probably the most important test against uh, Joel Embiid and the uh, 76ers. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say it went really, really well for Brooke uh, and 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 the rest of the Milwaukee Bucks. Lopez played 29 minutes, scored 17 points for Milwaukee, 11 of which all came in a row to open the second half. Uh, more importantly, uh, Lopez went four for nine from three. Um, and he helped basically space the floor for Giannis, which I, I thought was really interesting, especially seeing him back on the floor. You forget Brooke Lopez all of a sudden developed <laughs> a three-point shot like five years ago. Um Antetokounmpo finished with 40 points, four, 14 rebounds, six assists, a steal, and three blocks. Uh, and one of those blocks basically won the game for the Bucks. Um, th- this is something that I want to note here, right? For a team that spent much of the season playing a combination of Giannis or Bobby Portis at center, getting another 30 minutes of, like, I would say high-level, exceptional big man play um, – basically made everything fall into place. Lopez isn't Milwaukee's second or third most important player, but there's something to be said about him being seven foot three. He's great around the rim. He can shoot well from three and he's an absolute dog on both sides of the floor. It just seems like he, he's going to, he's going to force opposing defenses to pay attention to him, which I think is exactly what you want when you move into the playoffs, right? You want as many lethal people out on the floor as possible, not only on the inside, but on the outside. And Brooke Lopez is a dual threat now all of a sudden, uh, which is phenomenal. Do you think that this is the most unforgettable two seed we've had in like ever? Cause I, I don't, I can't recall a team that's gotten more disrespect than the Milwaukee bucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, considering they just won the title last year, um, a lot of people, me included, kind of maybe put a little asterisk by that title. Uh, if the whole Nets roster isn't hurt, Katie almost beat him single-handedly, should have beat him single-handedly if he wore a, uh, one, you know, if he wore a size 12, uh, he does beat them single-handedly. Um, you know, and, and then they, they got, got a little luck along the way after that before and after that too. Um, but with Lopez, I mean, they're, they're legitimately terrifying. Um, his, his, shooting and his his present him and Giannis inside I mean the the length that they have how do you how do you attack the paint the paint on offense you can't um and and offensively on their end he spreads the floor so much and he's he's such a such a good shooter now 
um, that he, he basically the entire, I mean, it's crazy. He'll stand, he's PJ Tucker for them. He'll stand in the corner yep. and wait for a three ball. Yep. He's freaking seven feet tall. Uh, yep. The whole floor is open for Giannis to just have his way with whatever defenders on him. It's, it's crazy. Um, and then if, if yep. Middleton and holiday are hot, I mean, it's, uh, you can't stop them. That's what I was going to get to. Yeah. The, not just like if Middleton and holiday are hot, fine. But like the length of Middleton, Giannis, Brooke, Bobby Portis, like if you want to play an ultra big lineup against, let's say like Miami, they're going to have a hard time. They're going to have a hard time finding points in the paint. Will they be able to shoot from three? Probably. Right. Like you, you'll, you'll be able to probably uh, score some points from beyond the arc. If, 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 you know, you're, you're kind of running a sag defense and you have all five guys protecting the paint. Um, but like that said, to your point, it's going to be really hard for anyone to drive in the paint unless of course, uh, 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 Tim Donahue is 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 uh is refing games and, and we can shoot fifty nine fucking free throws. Uh, <laughs> but like I I really I'm I'm actually to your like to to the point they're terrifying man like this might be like a straight run to the Eastern Conference Finals for them like I don't think people are really paying attention to how good Milwaukee is this year. Yeah, and I think the thing that people don't pay much attention to or don't realize either is is how much better of a coach that Bud has become over his tenure in Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Oh, yeah. Last year, he was probably fired if they lose in the first or second round. Uh, the year before that, Miami waxed them, and uh, it was because their offense was give Giannis the ball, and if he can get to the rim, Let great, we score. Yep. And yep. if he got stopped, there's he had no idea what to do. Um, but now you look at it like take the other night for example when they were playing Philly, they they started out with West Matthews starting the game. He was defending Harden. Uh, that quickly did not go well, and but uh, he, he made the change mid-game, and at, towards the end of the game when it mattered, he had Holiday on Harden, um, <laughs> which is probably should have been yeah. that way the whole game. Uh, if it, if it would have been, I don't know if Harden makes that big of an impact on the game, but um, I, I don't think Bud of a couple years ago would have done that. I think he, I don't know that he had the ability to make that type of in-game adjustment, um, or you know, whereas now they they have a good offense they they you know he'll make those calls defensively and, and they're just to me they're still the scariest team in the east i think and it hurts me to say that but yeah <laughs> i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to agree with you um but so on the flip side right are the brooklyn nets the most terrifying eight seed you've ever seen yes. so the net <laughs> dude like think about it this way they have the, so i i couldn't i couldn't I can't imagine. I've been thinking, I've been like racking my brain for the last like day and a half trying to figure out like who was the last eight seed where I was like, oh no, right? And then you think about it and you're like, never, never. Because never has an eight seed had maybe the best player in the Eastern Conference in Kevin Durant, a fully eligible and maybe one of the best top, like top five point guards of our generations in Kyrie Irving, who will be playing in New York City thanks to the recent changes in the COVID laws, thank God. Um, so, you you look at this team, right? Durant missed 27 games. Irving missed 53 games. Harden forced himself to the 76ers. The Nets ranked ninth in offensive efficiency. And then all of a sudden, when Durant came back March 3rd, they jumped right back up to second. What? That's insane. Cool. And then, yeah, you can have concerns about them being the 22nd ranked defense. Um, but then, all of a sudden, they added Drummond. He's looked pretty good on the defensive side of the board. They're still waiting for Ben uh, Ben Simmons to suit up. Um, 
yeah, it sucks that they don't have Joe Harris, but like he wasn't really playing a whole lot of defense. Yeah, Curry replaces um, that pretty well, I think. A hundred percent. And the, and and the way he imploded a... in the playoffs last year, like I, I think I, at this right now, I think I trust Curry more. Yeah, I, I think he has the mental fortitude to come back this playoffs and, and, and really give them a show. Um, there's no, there's no question, right? Like Durant's going to have to play massive minutes the same way he did in tw- uh, 2021. To your point earlier, he almost beat Milwaukee by himself. If he has Kyrie on that team, it might get a little dicey for them. But will they be able to have enough defense to stop Milwaukee's attack? I don't think they do. Um, what's even what I really want to underline about this eighth seed in particular, right? Like the 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 gravity of this team being so fucking good is that they are better than all of the rosters ahead of them, which is Chicago, Toronto, Cleveland, uh, uh, Charlotte, um, and and Atlanta. They're better than all five of those teams, dude. Like, there's no question, and yet. They're sitting here in the AC because they had to deal with lunatics for the better part of a season. And like, I, I almost want to go out on a limb and say that they're the reverse Lakers, right? <laughs> like they, you know what I mean? Like instead of starting here and finishing here, they're starting here and finishing here. Um, I I think they should stay where they are and just fucking run through the East until they get to the to the conference finals. Cause like, I do think that this might be a Brooklyn, Brooklyn Milwaukee conference finals, depending on how, the seedings kind of work themselves. Yeah, out. I mean, barring some crazy Toronto or Chicago meltdown, Brooklyn's going to be in the play-in, and I, I can't imagine there's any way that they lose a game in the play-in. Um, if Miami's the one seed, I'm really hoping Brooklyn wins through the play-in so that they're the seven seed and not the eight, because I don't want yeah. Miami to see Brooklyn <laughs> at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, granted, there's there's an asterisk by best eight seed ever too, because there's this team doesn't belong in an eight seed by any means they just they had the crazy you know katie got hurt and they have the crazy ass Kyrie saga going on all season um but, but yeah that that team i think behind milwaukee brooklyn's probably the next most terrifying team uh in the east mostly i mean like you said Kyrie and katie alone are I, i'll take that over harden and bead see that's it's such an interesting question I, oh man, dude, I, Joel's game has really like improved in my opinion. And I can't begin to tell you how much I love his game. Now the step back jumpers, the fucking fadeaways, the, the low post work, the Kareem, like the rip into the, into the paint, like phenomenal. The problem ends up being, do I like the duo with Harden? And I don't. So I, I do. They're, 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 they're magic on the floor when they're when it's working and that that pick and roll it's unstoppable. Here's here's my thing with the Sixers though with with Harden and Bead um, versus Kyrie KD. You can you can get under the skin of Harden and Bead. Um, oh yeah, a, you talk enough shit and a, Harden, well. Harden doesn't show up for the playoffs, so let's just let's put that out there. But even <laughs> as, aside from that, you can get under the skin of Harden and Bead, and it, it throws their offense, it throws their team for loops. Um, if if a couple calls don't go Harden's way. He's going to be crying to the ref the entire game. He's going to be out of his out of his game. He's not going to be in the, his normal rhythm of, of marching to the free throw line twelve times. Um, and Embiid, you can you can frustrate him in, in similar ways. And once he gets frustrated, if you notice, and this happened against Milwaukee the other night too, um, he'll he'll get he'll get frustrated, and you'll see him walk down the floor and just jack up a three. The ball won't move. There'll be no set play. He'll just, he'll come down the court and he'll jack up a three. 
And when he starts doing that, the offense is certainly not in optimal position uh, to, to win a playoff game or series. So I think I think there's there's little there's little hitches to these guys that I don't see with KD and Kyrie. Like you're not going to get under the skin of these guys. KD and Kyrie will go get forty whenever they want. Listen, I I'm, I'm I've never seen, and I know like we talked a lot of Kyrie shit throughout the course of this year, like a lot of Kyrie shit, like privately. Um, I'm ready to say that he is arguably one of the best point guards I've ever seen play basketball. You can, I think you can, uh, you can say both. I mean, I don't have to personally be a fan of his and, and all no, his antics. Yeah, I, yeah. And, you know, I don't have to trust him and his antics and shit if I'm running the team and all this. And I can say that when he's playing, he's he's one of the best point guards I've ever watched play. I mean, the dude is the dude is a ballet. You know, yeah. <laughs> Watching him is is a ballet with a basketball. So I mean, I, you can say both things, and and both things are right. I think. Um, I just it, I don't feel the same way about Harden these days. No, definitely not. And 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 maybe I I don't know. I think that 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 kind of before we move on to the NFL real quick, I think that really does underline a, a really big picture with with Kyrie, which is um, really interesting, tumultuous career. Uh, I had a lot of competition at the point guard spot in terms of being considered the greatest of his generation, Kemba, Wall, Harden, um, CP3, I guess, if you want to throw them into the the same timeline kind of thing. Kyrie for me is, is um, yeah, ballet with the basketball is a great way to put it, but also one of the most intelligent point guards I've ever seen. Like there's just the the shit that he's able to call and run on the fly, and then you could see, at least with KD, you can see two highly intelligent players, and I think Joel is a very highly intelligent player. So it's Harden. Tobias Harris, I have questions about, right? So like when we start going into the playoffs, obviously like point guard, point guard, center, center, whatever you want to call them, KD and and, and Embiid. But when you start to look at the rest of the lineup, that's what's going to define this 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 Eastern Conference. And like to go back to the original point, Milwaukee, I think is very deep and interesting. Um, Miami, kind of, right? Like, we'll, we'll, we'll throw that kind of in there. The Celtics are not at all. The Philadelphia 76ers just implode when their two stars aren't playing well. The Nets have no fucking depth. So I think the war of attrition here, or, 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 or the true war in these playoffs are going to be the benches. Who has the best bench? Who's going to give you the most depth? Who's going to give you the most points? Um, and, and I don't know, man. Like, Tyler Hero coming off and giving you 20s uh, is a really nice I, thing to have. Yeah, I think Miami and Milwaukee hold that edge bench-wise and depth-wise. Um, but I, I will say the wild card for, for Brooklyn playing in a playoff series and matching up is the wild card both ways. Is is there's I can imagine that at some point in some series or maybe multiple series and games, they're going to go small with KD at the five. Yep. So offensively, who the hell is going to stop that? Because, I mean, that, that amount of shooting and playmaking on the floor is going to be nuts. Um, the flip side, though, is is Brooklyn, if they play small, they're really small, like really small. Um, so defensively, I don't know how many yeah. stops they're going to get, but, I, like, I don't think they care, really. I if they figure if they can if they can beat somebody with 140 points they'll beat somebody with 140 points i think that's how that's how they're going to look at it yeah i mean it it there's a there's a soccer related uh a metaphor here right like you can score 100 but i'll score 101 is kind of like yeah yeah, yeah. 
which I get it. And to your point, what like Nick Claxton playing the five is going to put uh, come up with big stops for you in, in crunch time? I don't think so, right? Like that's just not. <laughs> but all not it may take is one with that team. Yeah, I, I think that's their that's their whole thing. You know, like they, Steve Nash is going to put that lineup out there, even if they go small and put Katie at the five, or even if Claxton's at the five and Katie's the three or four or whatever they want to call it, like. Steve Nash will put that out there and be like, I don't care how many you score because my guys are better than yours at the end of the day. Like, that's just and how it's going to play out. And yeah, and, and he's not wrong. And statistically, over the years, if you, if you look back in the NBA, not always, but a vast majority of the time, if you have the best player and especially the best two players on the floor, like, you're going to win the series. Um, that's the beauty of a seven game series in the NBA, is, is uh, beauty and the, the, kind of deterrent to chaos but the the chalk usually wins right as the saying yeah. goes in vegas like you have Kyrie and kd you have the, probably the best two players on the floor in every series you play except milwaukee if you want to if you want to consider Giannis better than kd or 1a 1b however you want to however you want to put that but you at least have the best player on the floor some a lot of times you're gonna have the best two on the floor like over a seven game series that's usually gonna go well for you Last thing we got for this evening, I know we're uh, we're pushing time here. Uh, we wanted to talk about the NFL mids. Uh, we just we smoke mids, mids only. This is a mids only <laughs> podcast. Uh, NFL offseason is weird, and it's only getting weirder. Um, I wanted to talk about three teams in particular today. Um, one of them, uh, I'll start with your favorite, uh, which is your Florida or Miami Dolphins. Uh, a few signings that I like really caught my eye, and I was like, "Holy shit! I didn't know this happened." Uh, so I'm I'm gonna ask you uh, a few questions here. Uh, the first of which is, how do you feel about the Dolphins signing Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds to two years, twelve point six million? Uh, I love every offensive move that they've done this off season. You will you will not hear me complain about any move that they've made. I like Miles Gaskin, but even, but adding uh, adding Edmonds, even, what's that? Even for fullback Alec Ingold for two years, seven and a half million dollars. Yeah, I, I do <laughs> actually. I, fullbacks. I, I do actually. So with with the offense, it's going to be a run heavy offense. You know, it's going to be that Shanahan, mm-hmm. that that Niners style offense that's pretty run heavy. So I I do like investing in the fullback position, just like the Niners did several years back with Uzcheck. Granted, that was a little bit of an overspin, but you know, it, it fits the offense that, that they're going to want to run in Miami and it fits the talent they have in there now with Mostert and Edmonds. Um, plus, you know, a little bit more protection for Tua um, uh, aside from the O-line improvements that they've made and they have been large improvements. But I, I like it, man. Huge. I, I'm, I'm all for it. Everything I, they've done is, is fantastic. I'll, I'll call out the uh, the two big signings on the uh, on the offensive line, which were Teron Armstead and Connor Williams. Um, the other one that I thought was a huge three-year, $22.8 million signing for Cowboys said Wilson. Uh, I thought that was a, a really great move. And there was another sneaky one that I I think was, was I, I want to say, kind of fell under the radar for this guy. Uh, his name is, um, oh, well, fuck, what's his name? Uh, Tyreek Hill. Uh, they, <laughs> traded, they traded for him for this team from Kansas City. I don't know. Apparently, he's like a burner. Uh, yeah, might suck, might not. Who knows? How do you feel about it? Uh, amazing. So it, it's, <laughs> it was it was a lot to give up. You know, five draft picks is a lot, but they they didn't give up much of their own capital. They they gave up a lot of what they had gotten in trades from from other teams. Um, 
and they still are armed with two firsts next year. So, you know, they, they didn't hurt themselves going in future drafts. Now, they did pay him an absurd amount of money. Yeah. Um, but obscene, some would say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, but what he can, what he can be for the offense and the way he can open things up. And especially now that they're like, yeah, he's going to be our Debo. Um, I, 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 man, I don't know if Miami's ever had a guy that can do the things that he can do. Um, him, Waddle and said, Wilson are, are going to be, oh my God, the, the team speed is going to be absurd. Um, and everyone's you have- everyone's fighting like uh, Tua can't throw a deep. Tua can't throw a deep, but a uh, he can. So people don't realize his average depth of target was actually uh, higher, quite a bit higher than Mahomes last year. Uh, and Mahomes had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, by the way. And yep. uh, Tua was also uh, percentage wise one of the most accurate passers in the NFL last year, above everybody. So yes, he can throw it. Um, also, with this offense, if he's gonna, you know, if it's gonna be similar to the Niners' offense, they're not gonna necessarily be chucking it forty yards every time. He's gonna want to get the ball out quick, get the ball in the hands of guys like Waddle, Gasecki, and Hill, uh, or Edmonds out of the backfield, and and let them do their thing. So, I love it. I love it. It sets everything relies on Tua's arm now, and and his growth and and how well he can play. But I think the team is is set up to be a contender. Do you know what the uh, odds are for you to win your division? Uh, I don't. So before the Tyreek Hill trade, you were at plus 600. After the Tyreek Hill trade, you went to plus 500. Uh, it only went to 5-1, to one, really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, listen, man, it's fucking tough to, to compete with the Bills. Let's be realistic here. Like The Bills haven't done much this offseason. I'm not going to talk about them. I do think every single move uh, that the Dolphins have done, for the most part, has been winners moves uh there's one other one that i forgot to uh call out which was uh they signed a giants cornerback uh keon crossman for three years and 10 million dollars sneaky good fucking pickup yeah he's, uh, he's a really good special teams guy I, I think yeah he's the there. yeah well he's he's a banger like he just wants to hit people yeah. which you love <laughs> um and three years ten and a half mil fucking fine like yeah every I'm, day all I'm, day i'm sure only like four that's guaranteed and, and so i mean yeah yeah um the other team that I wanted to talk about, the other two teams that I wanted to talk about, one of them uh, was a local team to me and a fan favorite amongst our friends in the division, the New York football Giants. <laughs> um, all right, so let's just talk about the big things that they did. Uh, you know, they brought in Texans quarterback Tyrod Taylor to two years, $11 million. They signed Bills running back Matt Breda. They also signed Colts offensive guard Mark Golwinski. Oh, Jesus Christ, I can't speak English. Uh, and then Jaguars D and uh, Jihad Ward. I mean, they did other things like they took Ricky Seals Jones from the Commanders, which sick. Um, <laughs> but like none of what they've done has made them better this offseason. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm in a year where it's like Daniel Jones or or he's gone. Like, what exactly have they done to help find out if he's gonna? be there going forward like uh... it, it's insane that the jets did more than the giants this offseason and like you know living and, and in, the in jets the... tried to i mean they they went after hill yeah, they, they've, Tyreek, yeah. They've sniffed around dk metcalf like they, they've they've tried to make some moves and it, the it, giants have done nothing is it big i i i don't understand if it's because the giants are like in this weird position you know 
head coaches in shambles, new general manager. Um, are they just like, oh, we're going to go into the draft and build this team? Which for me, the draft is a really safe way of saying we're going to suck this year. We're going to suck for the next two years, but we have a chance to get better. Whereas if you go out through free agency and try to improve the team immediately and it fails, you failed as a GM. And, and that's fine. So for me, if, but if you're going to do that, then you need to move on from Daniel Jones probably. Uh, you can play out this year or whatever, like however you want to do it, but you need to move on. You should probably trade Saquon for anything you can get. Like yep. if if you if you're gonna if you're gonna go that route and spend the next couple of years building your team up through the draft and essentially you know a full on rebuild then, then do it again yeah, yeah. Th- then do it um, yeah but but hanging on like uh, that division's bad but it's not bad enough where the Giants can win it you know? <laughs> right no 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 I mean granted I I, I think uh, uh, for our our friends listening. Uh, I think the Commanders have a chance of winning this division. Don't ask me why, but well, it's because Dallas is going to be decidedly less good. I think I, w- I won't say bad; they'll still be good, but they're going to be less good. No Cooper, no Sed Wilson. They will have Gallup and, and CD, but uh, they lost a couple pieces on defense. Uh, they lost some O linemen. Like, yeah, it's not going to be. Yeah, Washington, Washington. God, I hate saying this. Washington has some talent. Some their D line can be pretty nasty. They have McLaurin on the outside. They they, you know they they have a little bit of a running game. And Carson Wentz is the a best ver- quarterback the, than the, Heineke. The best version of Carson Wentz is a better a better Heineke. Um, yeah. Bad Carson Wentz though might. He's Heineke. My, no, he yeah, is Heineke. He's he, probably he's, Heineke. Maybe, maybe you know, if you watch that Jacksonville game, maybe worse Heineke uh, yeah, <laughs> for a lot well, more money. But sure, yeah, I mean, the the better version of of Wentz is is a better Heineke. So maybe I, the thing about this for me, and, and this uh, this is what's really kind of killing me, is that this is a New York City franchise. Like it, it like if you like contextualize this for a second, what does the NFL love? What does every sports fucking league love? Big market teams. Exactly. And the fact that one of your biggest fucking marketed teams is signing Corey Cunningham for an <laughs> undisclosed amount is it, it it's it's a travesty. Like it goes to show you that there is no care about football in New York. Yeah. Not by, like the the Jets are fine. We'll leave the Jets out of this, but the Giants. <laughs> Now, I will say the NFL doesn't rely on the, the big markets the way that like the NBA does, for example, or the MLB. So the NFL is pretty much media deal proof right now. Like they're going to get their deal regardless. Know. However, it, it's always better when those big markets are good. But in the NBA, you know, they're getting to the point of being big market proof. But they I think there's no secret that Adam Silver would like to see the Knicks good again. Uh, and in baseball, you you know. You want the Yankees good. Unfortunately, the Dodgers are fucking Scrooge over there rolling in their money pile right now. But uh, the NFL, I don't think it's as big of a deal if if the New York teams aren't good. Um, However, they would certainly prefer if they were. There's so much media and so much much sports talk media coming out of New York and, and whatnot. It would certainly benefit, but... I don't think it's do or die. I don't think that's why it's a, a panic situation that the New York teams it, are garbage. It's I think what it what it underlines is the fact that like it is it's money over competition. Um in New York, like they'll still generate the revenue putting seats 
putting yeah. butts in the seats. They're still going to get their television deals. Like, you know, Fox is still going to hand them a fuck ton of money to televise yeah. their games. Like, fine. It, it is what it is. It's just at least tell them. And this is kind of what I feel from a lot of, of, of these franchises. Like, tell the fucking fans you're going to be bad. Just be honest. Like, don't don't try to sugarcoat it. You know what I mean? Like, if the Jets had if, – if the Jets organization had looked at their fan base 10 years ago and said, hey, the next 10 years are going to fucking suck, Jets fans would have been like, all right, at least you're honest. You know? Like, all right, Fitzmagic. It's here. It's gone. You know, we 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 have to we have to run out with this fucking twelve year old now who 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 has like burners on the outside and Coleman and and uh, a, a solid running game, but he's like four years old and, and doesn't know what he's doing. Like it is what it is, but just like be honest about it. Um, that's my my last rant of the day for that. The last <laughs> team I want to talk about, the Buccaneers. Marty, this one's for you. Uh, really great offseason in terms of bringing back their existing. Um, some of their existing core uh fournette three years 21 million chris godwin three years 60 million Rashad perryman one year undisclosed amount offensive lineman aaron stinney one year 1.4 that one was a weird one uh but then they went out and got russell gage for three years 30 million uh patriots uh, off, uh offensive guard shaq mason by a trade uh they signed safety ryan logan to one year and then out of nowhere today uh fucking bruce arian retires <laughs> Yeah, so roster-wise, they, they did everything they needed to do to still be contenders. Um, well, they did everything they needed to do to still be contenders since Brady came back. If Brady hadn't come back, they weren't, I don't, you know, they they were they were probably a Jimmy G trade away from being good, but not great. Yeah. Um, but now with, with Brady back, they're back in the Super Bowl mix. But what a strange offseason. You have Brady retiring. And now you're kind of wondering what to do. They don't make trades. They, they stay away from the QB market for the time being. Um, you know, Brady retires and, and Arians kind of makes some, some quips to the media and, and stuff like that. But then turns around and says it would take five number one picks to, to trade his contract rights away to somebody else and this and that. A month or two goes by. Brady unretires. Um there's more weird some, comments from Bruce Arians. Yes. Yeah, more there's, weird there's, comments from Bruce Arians. There's kind of some whispers that maybe those guys aren't on the greatest terms. And then, like, what, two weeks after Brady unretires, Arians is now retiring to go work in the front office for the Bucks. I, it's, um, it's, it's, oh, and, and this is, uh, this is not even mentioning the, the whispers of Brady to the Dolphins being floated around out there. And, like, or, Brady to San Francisco. Like, yeah, like, what a what a weird. It's it's weird. It's been a good off season, but also a very weird off season. This has been the most Florida off season for a Florida team ever. <laughs> is the only way to describe it. It is the it. Florida yeah. man of off seasons. Yeah, it really is for the Buccaneers. It has been. I my, my only thing with with the Arian situation was I think uh, I think they pulled the Coughlin with him a little bit, which was you're saying too much. It's time for you to fucking quiet down. We'll put you in the front office. Um, and listen, there's, I don't think that there's a guy who deserves, uh, uh, fuck uh, more of a shot to be a head coach than, than Todd Bowles. What Todd Bowles was given in New York was a travesty. Yeah. And the fact that Todd Bowles is going to get the chance now to coach that team, this should be the indicator of whether or not Todd Bowles deserves to be a head coach in the NFL. Not what happened in New York. Is it That's though? Not, I mean, what happened in New York wasn't fair, dude. Come yeah, on. Well, yeah, but now we're now we're at the other extreme where he has Tom Brady and what was already a Super Bowl roster. So like, you know, but Adam you, Gase let's, looked let's, good with Peyton Manning and the 
Denver defense too. So like, but he wasn't the head coach. Uh, this is true. This is true. He wasn't the head coach. Yeah, that's true. Listen, listen, like, this is going to be the chance I think for Todd Bowles to actually demonstrate his acumen, his intelligence, his I, ability to, yeah. to rally a team to do all the shit that I, I a head say, coach can yeah, do. Yeah, I will say versus like somebody like Gase, we we do already know that Todd Bowles is a fantastic coordinator and fantastic coach. So we, we do already know that versus. Uh, Gase, we we might not have been sure, but then you know Peyton Manning came along and suddenly he's this genius. Uh, is he though? Yeah. Uh, no, we we do know that Todd Bowles is a fantastic coach. It's I think this this year is going to be really fun for the Buccaneers. I still think that there's like one or two sneaky weird ass deals about to happen with them. I'm still of the opinion that Tom will be off the roster come the start of the season no and will be chance. somewhere else. But that's just me. That's just me. That's my hot take for the for the show. No, honestly, no it's, chance. If if Arians is still the coach and they have some crazy spat, then maybe. But like, no chance. And maybe maybe that happened, and maybe this was the way of the Bucks dealing with it. Maybe the Bucks were like, okay, yeah. well, we're certainly not moving Brady, but here's what we'll do, Tom. We'll make you happy, and we'll get Arians out of here and put him up in a cushy office so you don't have to see him anymore. It's like I can't. May, I, we don't know what happened behind the scenes. Like, I, you know, maybe Arians I, has health issues again. He's he's. You know, That's he's, true. he's had some stuff over the years and like maybe you know they're not making it public because of that like who knows uh i just know that there's no chance that tom brady is not on the buccaneers roster uh when the season starts here's 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 the last thing to say about this i have a i, I cannot wait until one or both of them retire so you can start to read the hit pieces for fucking tampa bay journalists about like what happened this summer i cannot wait until one or both of them retire so we can get the full story on what it is but do not do not in any way, shape, or form think that Tom Brady was not involved in this. He was 1,000% involved in all of this bullshit, and I have no doubt in my fucking mind, no doubt in my mind, that if this has been Bill Belichick, he would have told him to go suck a dick. Like, straight out. And Arians tried to do that. He did it publicly, and I bet you he did it privately, and now all of a sudden he's working front office for Tampa Bay because Bruce Arians doesn't have the same fucking pull that Bill Belichick does in New England. That's what I think happened. That, that That's, like, again... It's Tom Brady. He gets to do whatever he wants. He's a, a transcendent fucking quarterback. He's a thousand years old. He's going to play again this year. He's probably going to be great again this year, right? Which is really frustrating. But like, he's the reason. He's the reason Bruce Arians is not the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm, I'm not dismissing the possibility for sure. I can I can absolutely see a world where Brady calls up the Bucks front office and is like, "Hey, I'll come back, but um, not for Bruce. Get him out. Get him out. Yeah, Bruce Get has got to. Bruce has got to. He's got to be out of my face, like." Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe it's a thing where I'll come back and I'll try to work it out. But if I can't, you got to assure me that, you know, some moves will be made one way or another and blah, blah, blah. I could totally see that a world in which that that's exactly what went on. But like you said, we, we won't know until they're both retired and then the, the yeah. hit piece will come out and somebody will talk to Arians off the record and then write that shit down and this and that. And like, that'll be a fun read one day. Oh, yeah, for sure. In, in, in 19 years when Tom Brady finally <laughs> retires for good. Exactly what I was going to say. In like 20 years, we'll find out the truth. Until yeah. then, good luck. Um, that's all I have today, my, my my sweet, sweet, sweet co-host. Is there anything <laughs> else? Is there anything else you got for me, brother? Uh, I got nothing. Um, I'm looking forward to some NBA playoffs. Playoffs coming around the right around the corner here. Um, I'm going to be in uh, beautiful Las Vegas for the play-in uh, play-in tournament weekend for the NBA. I'm 
So jealous. I'm pretty hype. Pretty hype for that. Um, so jealous. We got baseball coming back. We'll do a little more baseball talks coming up soon. Um, we also have um, have a little, little special something that we'll have coming at you. Hopefully this weekend. Um, we were we were sitting around when we were in our in our discussions to bring the pod back, and um, you you texted me, and something to the extent of, "Hey, we're we're called the Uncoachables Pod, but we we really don't have anything that fits the name or fits the title." Um, and you, you thought up this idea of not necessarily uncoachable athletes, but just wild athlete stories essentially in the sports world um yeah so we i don't want to give away all the details of, of how we're doing it or what we're doing but um just know that we have some shorter episodes coming um and maybe like once a month we'll try to do it once every maybe once every couple weeks probably probably more like once a month but it, it takes a lot of research to get these yeah, done unfortunately it's gonna be some some wild shit some some wild sports stories that maybe um I, i'm sure you probably you know you as the listener don't know or haven't heard and, and definitely isn't publicized because these are things that you uh <laughs> probably don't want publicized yeah. yeah yeah so that, that'll be fun i'm looking forward to those i i do have one one big thing to shout out which is uh we are three teams away or two teams away from being done with world cup qualifiers congratulations to all that have qualified for the shout world out cup to the US men's. Shout out to the U.S. men's team. Shout out to my Uruguay national team. Uh, a few months ago, I was on the verge of, of rescinding my na- my nationality, my <laughs> citizenship, and becoming Australian. Because because fuck it, why not? Uh, and the boys pulled it off. Uh, believe it or not, Matt, this is going to sound absolutely insane. We finished in third place from World Cup qualifier. We were eighth two months ago, three months ago. Okay, and we finished World Cup qualifying in third place with a goal difference of zero. Argentina above us scored plus 23, Brazil wow. plus 39, Ecuador below us plus 9. And we magically, very Uruguayanly, uh, just came in with nothing to show for it. So uh, I'm very happy that the, this is happening. The only reason not all of the qualifiers are done is because there is one pending game between Scotland and the Ukraine, I believe. Um, for obvious reasons, that game will not be held for a certain period of time. Uh, the winner of that game will take on Wales to find out who gets the final spot for the World Cup. Um, otherwise, it's going to be really interesting to have a November-December World Cup this year. I'm very excited for it. Uh, and by excited, I mean I'm excited for the tournament itself. I'm not excited for the location of the tournament. Uh, I'm not excited for uh, the opening ceremonies. I'm really not excited to give any of my money to the fucking principality or whatever they want to fucking call it of Qatar. Um, but you know, whatever. I'm, I'm a soccer fan. I guess soccer gonna soccer and we're gonna watch it and whatever shit, horrible, anti-gay rights, brown country it's in. And, and, and here we are watching it in Qatar. Uh, so we'll see what happens, but I'm, I'm very stoked about that. Um, for anybody uh that is betting on your ncaa games make sure you get your bets in before the games start if you're going to live bet them make sure that you are following the money because not surprising uh these last four games are pretty much tailing out to look exactly how they're supposed to uh we do have that uncoachables uh, episode coming up like i mentioned and then other than that uh i'm just very excited to get back on this routine with you buddy so uh hopefully you guys like listening to us. You will uh, continue to listen to us and keep an eye out for that uh, Uncoachables uh, mini mini pod. Uh, like Matt said, hopefully this weekend. Yeah, um, that's all I got. 
Thamesies, we love you. Don't do anything crazy. And if you do, don't put it on your, uh, don't put it on national television uh, or else we'll start calling you Will Smith. <laughs> we'll so. see you guys soon. Peace.